Hey everybody, it's Brandon Dawson. Welcome back to another episode of Building Billions. I have Dan here with me. This is going to be a great episode, a great podcast, a great YouTube video. However you're hearing it, however you're seeing it, it's going to be great. Nothing like getting entrepreneurs forward thinking experts in their space together to talk about how to create, how to build, and eventually how to exit and I know that's a topic everybody's interested in. So I'm going to introduce my my companion here, my buddy, Dan. He's going to tell you who he is, what he does, and why we're chatting today. Dan? Yeah, Brandon, dude, as I was saying before we got on, like I am a huge admirer of the work, your pedigree, your history, the collaboration, Cardone Ventures, what you've built. So I appreciate the time. Um, most people know me as a software guy. So I built one of the largest software coaching organization called SaaS Academy. Um, so we have over a thousand clients that we coach. Uh, I've built and exited three software companies started when I was 17 fun story that literally software and learning to code saved my life. You know, I was an addict, uh, ended up in prison twice by the time I was 17 and then, um, learning to write software became my new obsession. Um, and then this year I wrote a book, buy back your time that yeah, I, congratulations. Thank it's you. right yeah. here. It's sitting here. Everybody should Everybody check should it out. Get a copy. It's literally selling more copies week over week. It's it's and the reason why I think Brandon you'd appreciate this cuz I I see the team you invest in buying back your time. Like a lot yeah. of entrepreneurs struggle with this and I know you help people with that. Um and it's just been such a critical part of my life to be able to do what I do. And then today I not only have SaaS Academy, but I also run a $100 million holding company where we buy software companies. So we bought three companies in the last four months. Wow. Yeah. So having a lot of fun. So we can talk about equity, capital stacks, you name it. I can go there because that's kind of what I do all day. Yeah. Well, you know, we're very interested. A little, a little sidebar. Uh, we are launch, launching Cardone Equity Group. Mm which is going to be the business acquisition side to complement Cardone Capital. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so part of it's going to be venture. Part of it's going to be um, uh, basically equity. Yeah, and, like a fund And model. some will be debt. Yeah. But um, it'd be interesting to talk to you about some some JV stuff because we're, we're I'm a huge tech fan because you can't scale a business without it. In fact, um, we'll just jump in and start talking about our different experiences. So, so let's go to your first business. What kind of tech did you build there? The first company. So there's, I always ask people like, you know, what was the first business, which would be the business that made it money versus how many domains have you bought for projects? Right? So like the first thing that ever made me money was a company called maritimevacation.ca. So I grew up in Canada on the East coast, even though I spent most of my time in the U S and, uh, essentially my dad had a cottage and this is 1998. And, um, he wanted a web page cause he was sick of answering the same 14 questions when they called, you know, do you accept pets? Is it available these dates? So I told him it would cost 200 bucks to, to code him a web page, which wasn't true. I mean, it didn't cost me anything. I could have hosted it for free, but I wanted to get a server. So like I needed the money to pay uh -huh. for like, um, a server that would run the code, this application server back in the day. And, uh, so I stayed up till two, three in the morning for, I don't know, five, six weeks building this, this website I built on this programming language. A lot of people wouldn't care, but cold fusion, nobody's heard of it today, but it was actually a pretty cool programming language. So I build this thing, launch it. I got my dad on there. I got no customers and, uh, I'm like, you know, I'm an introverted tech nerd that loved to code. And I was talking to my buddy Dave one day and I was like, you know, I built this thing. I need customers. 
And uh, he, he was a burnout. And I remember he says to me, he goes, well, who are the customers? I said, anybody with a cottage or a bed and breakfast. And he goes, yo, dude, I think there's like a magazine for those kind of people. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Dave? He's like, there's literally a tourism magazine and they're all listed. And I was like, where? And I, did, I didn't even finish talking. I like left to find the tourism office. And there's literally a magazine uh -huh. that they give to the people. You know the info centers when you come into a <clears throat> yeah. city? They, back in the day, 98, they had these things that you'd pick up. And if you wanted to go to a city and stay in there or a bed and breakfast. So I sat there and um, had my little brother, Mo. He was about five years younger than me. I paid him like three bucks an hour to type in all the addresses in a Microsoft Access database. And then I opened up Microsoft Word and I did this thing called a mail merge. Essentially today it'd be like a form letter. I didn't know, I'm not a copywriter, I'm a freaking tech nerd. And I just, essentially the letter said, if you want a page for your bed and breakfast, then fill out this form and, and for 30 bucks you'll get a page. I'll send you the link. And if you uh, include photos, um, you know, you want them back at an extra five bucks for like shipping. So it's like, literally this is before internet, you couldn't even upload it. And I send out, oh, probably 400 of these letters, you know, in the mail. And I remember, you know, like a week later, we come back to our apartment, I was living with my dad and he gets the mail out and there's like 17 envelopes with my name on it. And I grew up, you know, I had a little chaos growing up, got in trouble with the law. And he, he just looks at me and goes, what did you do? <laughs> and we go into the kitchen and we start opening up these letters. And it's literally, you know, hundreds of dollars of people filling out this letter form and putting $30 in cash in the mail. Like nobody would do that today, but this yep. is, so I always joke with people, if you've ever built something and put it on the internet and somebody buys from you that isn't your relative or your best friend, like that's the first day you get a dollar, you've gone pro. Cause it is just it's kind of a cool experience. Like that was the moment for me as a, I think 17 year old at the time, 18 year old, where I was like, oh, this is, this is something I can do, right? Like this is, this is my future. This is a, this is what I'm gonna do. I mean, I had life. to feel for, for your dad and you to sit there and open those envelopes and see all people putting money in it. It had to be like, what the heck's going on here? For me, I was like, what the heck is going on? My dad was like, what did you say to these people? He thought I did some like <laughs> pyramid scheme. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was like yeah, 100% awesome. going, this is illegal. You got to send the money back. I'm like, no, dad, here's what I sent them. This is it. And he's like, all right. And, and he was a little pissed because he's like, why did you need that 200 bucks for the website? And I'm like, well, now you understand. But I mean, that, that's always been my, my process for building companies since then. Since then is just like build Pro or solutions to problems that I know of or I've experienced. And it's what's made building companies a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, so you've, you've built what you said, three different, uh, companies? I've had three exits. I've probably built five. The first two are failures. Maritime vacation failed. The guy from at the cottage.com executed better. I called it maritime vacation.ca. He called it doc. You know what I mean? So yeah. like lesson learned there actually plan for success. I mean, Brad, I'm sure you've had to tell people this. It's like oftentimes, like we, if they actually just thought when this is successful, you know, investing in a good domain, building the brand, like these yeah. are all things I should do that if you don't do, somebody else could inadvertently take. Yeah, the they'll end up you. doing it. Well, a hundred percent. But you know, you starting, building, scaling, and even exiting is is trial and error for most entrepreneurs. That's why once you've done it a few times, you get better at it. Yep. And uh, if you've only done it once in your life, or you're only doing it once in your life. Uh, you're going to make about every mistake you can make. Everyone. Yeah. I started a business in 2010. 
I started another business and it was kind of a, I was just testing some of my theories, but, uh, it started taking off so fast. I, I was like, Oh my God, I'm, this is going to be a billion dollar place. So I just started throwing money at it and I built a team from nobody, you know, from no, no one to an extra 60 people in like 18 months. It was starting, starting to burn a half a million a month. And I burnt $8 million chasing this thing thinking, Oh, I'm going to change this whole thing. And one day I'm like, it ain't changing nothing. Like I just shut it down. You literally came wrote off eight million bucks. Natalie actually did. I was in the middle of doing something, and she's like, "You need to shut this thing down." And I'm like, "I already put eight million into it." Hardest thing to do as an entrepreneur is when you're when you're stuffing money into a black hole is to give up on it because yeah. you think Some you're so fallacy. much closer. Yeah, closer. But it was the best decision I ever made because as soon as I freed myself up, I just I was able to put my attention on things that could create so much more value. But it was also it's like the tale of two stories. It, it like, this is everything, no matter how good you think you are, it humbled me because I was in the middle of all this other amazing stuff, but then I just couldn't get this other thing to work. So I could look at what was causing the ones I was doing to work, what was causing this one to fail. And literally today it was the genesis of my breakpoints because I went through myself and went, here's how I hired. Here's how I onboarded. Here's how I trained. Here's the process I went through for the businesses that worked. And here's what I did shortcut all that or to change it in the one that did it. And, and I, I was going through and just creating it. And then I was like, you know what? I should hire a research firm and find out what, what causes businesses to work, what causes businesses to break and where and why and how. And today that's, that's all the foundation, the, the for, foundation for my breakpoints. Yeah. yeah. It's that feedback loop. I think that's, you know, people say, you know, you don't hire the guy that's got 20 years experience, but it's the same experience repeated year over year. Right. You want to learn. And I think entrepreneurs, if they're not honest with themselves, right, like it's my favorite thing to tell people is don't lie to yourself. Like look at where you fell short, challenges, frustrations, and give yourself permission to actually like double click and get honest. I mean, it's the best. It's the best thing an entrepreneur can do is to say where when I when that went bad, what was I thinking about? How did I make what the decision? What did I believe about it? Who was I listening to? Because yep. that's another big thing. Huge. And you start learning. Wait a minute. The people I'm listening to, the wrong people I'm asking questions of, the wrong inputs I'm getting from other people, the reason or way I made the decision. I won't do any of that again. And until you can get there, because you just got to accept to your point, it's all trial and error. Totally. So what was your biggest? SaaS based business you built? Uh, the biggest one was a company called Flowtown. Uh, we built a social marketing platform in regards to like financial exit. Yeah, it was, it was this company. So I, I ended up eventually moving to Silicon Valley, you know, grew up in the East coast, small town, you know, became the big fish in a little pond, multimillionaire at 28. Um, and eventually found myself in the heart of tech. I mean, it's literally it, San Francisco back, you know, today it doesn't show itself well, but back in the day it was like, you know, this is 2008, 2009, right after the, the crash. Um, you know, it was like Disneyland for software entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's like you go to coffee shops and they've got kids with, they're either coding or working on their pitch deck. Like, and I swear to God, it's all Max and it's either a pitch deck or the writing software. And, uh, it was cool. Cause it was the first time that I experienced the feeling of finding my people mm. like Brian, I, I don't know if you remember like when you were the odd duck amongst your peer group, I kind of grew up like that. And luckily I would travel a lot, 200 days a year doing my previous company. We're working with enterprise companies. 
So I was not in it. My environment didn't affect me as much as I think for some local entrepreneurs that their business is based in a city and they can't, they, they don't get out, they don't experience events or whatever. So when I moved there and I was like, oh, this is how, this is a culture, right? And what I love about the Valley is the preciousness of an idea. Like it's actually the coolest thing I've ever experienced mm -hmm. where you can literally have a billion trillion dollar idea and people will look at you in the face and go, that's awesome. Not you're crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I built this company called Flowtown in 2009 because um, my brother was a home builder. I really wanted him to understand how social marketing was going to change his business. He said none of his customers are on social media. And I was like, well, yeah. it's not true. Today, yeah. yeah. So, but I knew it wasn't a lot, but it was a growing segment. So the first, the, the product was essentially a tool where you gave us email addresses and we would show you all the demographic, social graphic and social networks that customer was on. Mm. Okay. This is, you know, today you couldn't do it because there's privacy issues around that. But back then we, I mean, it, it was, was wide open. It was so powerful. Yeah. This is like, if you remember, uh, there was a product called clout on Twitter that would give you like a clout score, mm. like, which is essentially a reputation or an influence score. I mean, it was a wild west of social, you know, web 2.0, they called it. And, uh, our first integration was with MailChimp. So Ben Chestnut mm. saw, we launched on TechCrunch and reached out to us and he's like, can you make this work in our product? And I'm like, uh, yeah, like team stop. let's make it work for the MailChimp customer. And that allowed us to expand. We ended up doing like pretty much if you had a CRM, a form collecting software, uh, you know, email marketing tool, we integrated and, wow. and that constant contact. So I get to know a lot of these luminary CEOs of these software companies and yeah, that company, we exit two and a half years, made a lot of money for our investors. And, um, you know, just really set the foundation for me to like think differently about building businesses. Cause that was the first time I had a partner and I know you, you, you know, you guys partner with a lot of founders yeah. and that was the beginning for me today. If you look at like kind of my empire I've built, it's, it's people-based, right? We were just talking about that. Like when you can, when you can recruit, let's call it, and Steve Jobs called it the 50 people, right? When he was at Apple, he would tap on the shoulder this person in marketing, that person in engineering, and every quarter they would go to Half Moon Bay and they would do an offsite with Steve. Like, and, and there was no rhyme or reason. It was literally like, does Steve think you're smart? And he would spend a, a weekend with you because he said to himself, and he shared about this later, he said, these are the 50 people that if I had to do it all over and start from zero again, this would be my crew. And it turned out he had to do that when he let, he got kicked out and started yeah. next. Yeah. But but that concept for a lot of people that are ambitious to have a big vision that want to do a lot, they literally get to ask themselves like, am I building my fifty? Like, do I have lieutenants? Do I have partners? Do I have leaders that can actually drive the business forward? Or do I have just a bunch of, you know, essentially, are you the 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 genius with a thousand servants? Which, yep. as you know, small businesses, it's kind of how they build it. They yep. hire a bunch of people that listen to them and do what they do, but. You want to hire people that are actually going to drive the business forward and come with ideas and solutions. And I think that's that's in our breakpoint studies and, and surveys. We ninety eight percent of all businesses under a hundred million are stuck under three, and they have an average of twelve employees. So that it, that is why I wrote this book. That 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 breakpoint is one of. I mean, you got yep. the data. It's the hardest one. My experience is that at that level, so there's different, you know, and I'm sure you teach at all the different levels, there's different skills the CEO has to acquire to break through those different breakpoints. Yep. 
zero to 300 or 500 plus or minus 20%, it's usually the, the, the simple skill of delegating anything to anybody, right? right? If you don't figure that out at the e like lowest level, you're a highly paid specialist. You're a doctor, a lawyer, a yep. freelancer, whatever you want to call it. Right. And you can make a great living doing that. You just don't build, you don't, you're never an owner. You're just, a, you know, you're essentially a highly paid person with a job. The two to three million level, that 12 employees, literally, I, I, when I wrote the book, I, I called him Darcy, okay? His name's not Darcy, but I used Darcy. I didn't want him to get pissed off at me. But, like, it's, it's, it's this place where these entrepreneurs hit this, what I call the complexity ceiling. And the reason why is the skill is to learn to work through somebody. And that's a, yeah, that's a scary proposition. When all of a sudden somebody else is representing your brand in the market that you've made promises to customers and you're now working through a person that works with the team to deliver the value to the customer. For a lot of people, there's a lot of emotions there, right? There's feelings, there's anxiety, there's, there's like, you know, concern and people can't let go. They really have a hard time letting go. So that's why I wrote this book. It's not only to how to buy back your time, but actually a third of it is just leadership. Yep. How do you as the crazy CEO stop getting in your own way? How do you stop creating what I call emotional shrapnel amongst your team? And I think that's, it's actually one of my favorite breakpoints you call it to get help entrepreneurs get through because on the other side, then you have more resources. This is why most private equity firms, you know, it's like at least, you know, I mean, 750 million in EBITDA, like we're, they won't even talk to you, even the micro the PE guys, because there needs to be enough meat on the bones to do something with. Yeah. It. And they know that it's so key person to pay. Yeah. But once you get past that as an owner, I mean, it's, it's actually, it, if people knew how much fun running an eight figure plus company was, they would race to it because it is, it's, it's not even the same as what it took to go from like zero to three or five. It's just, yeah. It's a so, fun place the, to get so to. break point one's zero to 3 million break point two is three to eight and break point three is eight to 15. And there's some interesting, tough one. the three to eight's tough because now you really, you gotta, you can't, your buddy from college or your roommate from college or your sister or your, the lady from church doing your books. Now you've got more moving parts, more people, people come in with an agenda. You, you, you start making enough money. You buy your first nice car. You maybe go buy a new house. People around you see that some divisions comes in, you know, I've been here since the beginning and I'm still yeah, making the same money. Yep. Yeah. And, it, and it's an expensive trough to get through because you have to hire a head. And when you start increasing your lifestyle, and, and, and you're literally, you know, these guys are comparing. Oh, man, They're like, what do you mean? I got to pay 150 grand for that job. I'm paying my buddy that's been doing it only 75 grand. And, and, and like they're cheap and, yeah. and then, and, and then they can't relate because they brought people up, but now they're trying to hire people down and it gets really sloppy in there. And that some of the loyal people leave. You inherit, new, you don't know how to hire. Yeah. So you think you brought some great people in and you, you, you abdicate to them. You're like, okay, you know, you know how to do it. So I'm going to trust you. And then they screw it up because they don't know what they're doing. And it's just a vicious thing. And then by the time you're at 15 million, if you don't have three very specific designated leaders that are working in unison, 
it's too much weight for a business owner to have. And it's right where private equity starts to like to play because your EBITDA might be two or three million. The pain's high. It's real money now. And so, you know, all of a sudden you could put 10 million, 15 million in your pocket. And, and so that, that inflection point and then, and then 25 million, by the time they're at 25 million, they're running on 17, 14 to 17 different systems, which is why your SaaS business is so important. And the sooner they do it, the better off they are, but they kick the can and then they're running. And, and of the 17 systems, they don't know about half of them because it's the sales guys using their <laughs> yeah, iPhones and, and their own CRM yeah. because yeah, they, they want to own know. the relationship with yeah. the client. Yeah. And, and it's just so clunky and, and, and stuff, but it's, it's like clockwork. What happens in the zero to 3 million, the three to 8 million, eight, it's, it's as certain as gravity. Yeah. And if, and it's like a structural building, putting four or five stories together if you miss a step, it your foundation's not strong, and yep. strong enough, so it collapses. And statistically, what we saw, it, you know, ninety-seven percent of all businesses go out of business in ten years, the bigger ones, mm-hmm. and then the fir- the sloppy ones go out of business two-thirds of them in the first five. So, so statistically, the bigger ones get bigger, 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 but they're built on a faulty foundation, and then they collapse. And what we saw statistically is if you slip back from one break point to another, you kind of catch yourself depending on how big of a slip back it was. But a snapback is where you go two break points back, and that's absolutely catastrophic. catastrophic. And so when you think about how hard it is, I mean, to, to, to build a business to $100 million, you know, 3% of the businesses that break up, that, that, that are over $3 million, there's only 3% of the businesses that get there, but still 97% of those businesses still fail they cyclically. Fail. And, and so this is what I love about what you've been doing because you're engineering what you were and what you are is you're the guy that's measuring the concrete mm-hmm. and saying, hey, you need, to, you need to put another inch in there or another two inches because, and you were doing it with technology. Well, I mean, the, the, the fun question for me to ask somebody that thinks they got their stuff together, especially if I have their executive team around the table, is I'll ask them how many customers they have. And Randy, you see it all the yeah, time. Yeah, and it's like, like the marketing person's like, well, I think we have this many. And then the sales guy's like, no, we have this many. And then you, and I'm like, hey, let's get the finance guy on the call. Because I guarantee that guy has a different number than the CEOs that he's here. And I'm like, like, you guys don't get it. Like, like and as you, you've seen, the information infrastructure, the data infrastructure, the BI, the, the business intelligence, the reporting, these are things that there is zero chance that you're going to be able to scale without smashing into a wall, especially if you're fast growth, because it requires a level of precision in decision-making that most companies will never have the tooling in place to see, get that right at the right stage, right? At different levels. And it is magical, the ability to make higher quality decisions. Cause that's at the end of the day, you know, entrepreneurs need to understand this. Like you honestly only have to do one or two really good decisions a day. And a lot of the other stuff is just noise, right? So I'm a big fan of, you know, at minimum, let's let's talk about the CRM. Let's talk about your billing. Let's get your, you know, rev rec. Like figure out all the like data side. What's the source of truth? You know, all these things that, again, people that are like, what is he talking about? Get to scale. You'll You'll spend a lot of time arguing about it. But once you have it, it makes that journey just so much easier. It doesn't doesn't guarantee it what i love is i love i love when you're talking to the entrepreneur and they're like no i'm on my next system because the last one sucked it didn't work no and 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 i'm like that's because no one on your team ever (laughs) learned to use the technology and so you move to another and another and another because you're getting sold by people on how much easier it is but shitty in 
is shitty out. Totally. And 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 no discipline and accountability, no operating protocols, no, no process, no procedures, no systems, no you know like like no alignment with your team. I don't care how good your tech is, it ain't going to work because it, it's requiring people to actually do something different behaviorally. And business owners just don't understand that. They think, oh, I bought this software, it's going to fix the situation. No, it, did, it doesn't do anything because unless somebody's going to take action that's going to be driven to an intentful result. That means if they're not that, if they don't have that mindset, they're not even putting the stuff in, in order to get the outputs that will help them do that. Totally. And so, you know, I just, uh, this whole technology thing is, is always amazing to me. Um, one of the things that we're doing, because we know statistically that from, from a million to 25 million, you're on 14 to 17 different types of platforms. Yeah. And so, and most people kick the can until they're eight or 10 million before they even think about putting a CRM in that that's actually being used. Yeah. Versus like 360 oh, well, view of a customer. It's like, no, Oh, I have yeah. QuickBooks. Oh, great. Go run in a ledger. Oh no. We just use it to pay bills. Oh, we don't God. put our expenses in there. It's like, okay. So, so, you know, technology is only good as to the extent you're going to use it. Um, and, and so one of the things we've been doing is innovating for the last basically 10 years for small business automation where, uh, and then, and then we do the support form. That's the oh. magic behind our curtain is you can hire us to educate you. You can hire us to engineer your business case. Um, you can hire us to operate against your business case consultatively, or we'll partner with you or we'll downstream acquire some of you and then go buy your crappy competitors. And so, um, that's, that's kind of our funnel of how we work with people. And, and so we get exposure to a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, I launched with grant 52 months ago or whatever, and we've already run almost 3 billion of businesses through that cycle. Mm. And we actively manage almost a billion right now. And then there's another billion that's in our deal flow coming through. Do you, do you guys anticipate building and maybe you already have your own information system to manage that portfolio? Yeah. So, so, uh, I just made a new hire. Um, there's a couple things we've been investing, uh, in the technological side in a, in a blockchain technology database t technology that, that is innovating up to managing what we're rolling out to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Things like managing the general ledgers and things like that for all these different vertical roll up strategies. Yeah. Um, we have a, mar a digital marketplace now where entrepreneurs will we'll take them to the market. We'll access. Th this is all new stuff that nobody knows about, but um, we'll, we'll do their filings uh, in order to raise capital. And then we'll put them on our, our uh, marketplace in, in basically like a, data room a, a or private like a market, market okay, a private marketplace. Yeah. So it's like a mini, a private stock exchange yeah. basically. So this is one of the things we're innovating and rolling out to the yeah. SME space. Um, but more specifically to your question, we have been building our own data systems uh, and processes and in interfaces for, I don't know, 10 years to run this kind of business. But I just hired, I just made a new hire, and, and I'll be announcing it. Um, by the time this podcast goes out, I probably will have announced it. But I just hired a head of global treasury from KKR. And uh, before that, he was head of global treasury for service partners. He's run a half, uh, almost a half a trillion dollars yeah. in the last 10 years. Um, and he's coming in as my CFO, COO, with uh, the big thing he did for both those firms is the data 
yeah. synergi- synergizing yeah. the data totally. and building the big data warehouses. And so we're ready to move. We have so much, we have probably better content, better data on the SME space because we've engineered, uh, we've run 3,500 businesses through ventures since launch it. Forget about all the research I did up to then. And, and because we're actively managing almost a billion dollars of businesses daily, um, all those, all that data from engineering their business to practical application and deployment in the field, um, aligning their teams, organizing them, and watching the EBITDA, the revenue cycles, yeah. all that stuff. Um, I, I'm so excited about what we're going to create from the data side. Um, I think we'll be the only ones in the SME space that has it because because we're on the street and we're also looking at it from. So a very it's high the level. exact same kind of conclusion I came to. So when I started SAS Academy, which was like literally me coaching now, you know, we've got a team of coaches and stuff where we got to a place where like software is kind of very repeatable. Like it's literally retention, customer lifetime value, acquisition costs, you know, sales velocity. So it's like we, and we're all software guys that run the company because that's our background. So we essentially built this internal system where customers connect their billing system, you know, Stripe or whatever they're using, and then they connect their CRM. And then we do all the, cons- like, cause a lot of people, they just, they don't even have the view. Yep. And because we have from their CRM, you know, lead acquisition time, like literally we have all the data that we know. And then we were using that to coach them. Right. So they would like get their dashboard and it would literally sequence the strategies to improve the business. I'm sure this is exactly how you yep. guys think yep. about it. And then once we had all the playbooks figured out, we essentially proved with our clients that paid us because that's what they were doing the first hundred days. Like we know exactly what to do. It's literally, you don't know because you don't understand how to read the data or understand the strategies involved. And then that's why we, we started, you know, my hundred million dollar hold code to buy companies because it's like, oh, it's fun to like support them. But like, I want to own them. And it's like, yeah, because if you're going to go, this is the thing that the small business owner doesn't understand. Like, like if someone's going to do everything for you, they might as well own you. That is literally after five years of doing this and having my clients exit, we had uh, 27 exits in one year. Okay. Like half of them, nine figure exits. Cause it's software, yep. you know, big multiples on, on top line, right? I mean, screw it. EBITDA, they don't give a crap. Yep. And, um, and it just occurred to me, now, I've always been an angel investor. So I invested first money in innovation, done hundred deals, um, you know, intercom, Hootsuite, Unbounce, uh, Udemy, all these big, you know, billion dollar companies. But I was like, no, I wanna, I wanna figure out how to build. So I built a whole team with my partner Kevin to literally take the deal flow. And it's fun because when people come to in my world, they come for coaching. Well, if coaching's not a fit, they've essentially identified, like the PE guys, there's a problem in their business they need solved. They either decide they want to invest in themselves to solve it, or they decide now's a great time to exit. Yep. So literally the same pipeline that we were building here, we just handed over to this other team, and literally they could just go through the funnel. And if it's a fit based on our thesis. We make an offer and I don't know, it's a lot of fun because what I'm, size businesses right now are you trying we're buying, to buy? Yeah. We're buying like between three and 5 million ARR annual recurring revenue yep. businesses. So we've got a hundred million dollars to deploy with some debt. If we choose to do that, and where'd you not. get that cash from? Raised uh, it. 70% is from, we have two LPs like major. Yeah. Yeah. Private equity guys, um, talisman capital and, um, and then the rest of it's my partner and I. So are you are you uh, are you getting money out of Canada or the U.S.? Uh, these are in the U.S. U.S. Yeah, yeah. Good. Most of my stuff I do is in the U.S. Yeah, 
Yeah, I bill in the U.S. I'm I'm Canadian by citizenship. Of course, you, you get a thirty percent increase just doing billing. Oh in yeah, the US. yeah. People that <laughs> my Canadian customers are like, "Why is it in U.S?" I go, "I'll teach you the same thing yeah. as soon as you start." You know, like it's uh, it, yeah. I, I'm a the I'm arbitrage a, from you buying the little Canadian uh, the te- technical companies huge. and bringing them down yeah, to the first U.S. First thing we yeah. do is fix your price. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. No yeah, that is awesome, dude. So what what are some of the really exciting things you're working on right now? It's all AI. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know this, Brandon, like, so I asked about your information systems. Like, we, with, with the data and then the different large language models, so there's, there's not just ChatGPT. There's Bard and Claude yep. and all these other ones and, and some new ones that nobody's ever heard of, like point-specific solutions around the financial side. Um, I just see a world where there's a lot of things that require people to analyze, to extract insights that will be real-time. So it's like, you got to ask yourself when I think of, um, and I teach this to my, I have a lot of friends that are in the coaching space and I have this whole like AI coaching model I share with them where there's like, these are the areas of today where you, sh- you and your team should be using AI. Okay. And it's around, you know, marketing yep. and, you know, uh, curriculum design and all these things that are very like not hard to put together, but in the future, there's a lot of other areas you're not even considering. So for example, um, you know, uh, uh, um, multilingual, uh, you know, generative video. Uh, oh, okay. So if you can generate videos, so all of a sudden now all the training that you create internally is not even you anymore. It's a generative, it's essentially, you know, a virtual version of you, but it looks pixel perfect. Then you got to ask yourself, well, what happens with IP, right? Like, mm-hmm. what can I do with that? Can I license to somebody else that takes it, puts it through their model? Now they have all my best software stuff, yeah. my buddy's best finance stuff, this other guy's best you know, uh, kit family stuff. And it's all packaged into one thing. So like, there's all these areas of, of, of stuff that will be absolutely done by AI in the next 18, 24 months that just like, so if you're about to reshoot your course, wait, like, don't, don't do it. Like, give me eight months and I'll show you the technology keeps getting better. And yeah. Better. I mean, I did a million dollars in revenue last month using Brandon Fossen. Isn't that cool? And, and so people are watching videos and they're watching me, but it's not me. It's my AI version. Yeah. Um, they get phone calls from me. Yeah. It's my AI yeah. version. Yeah, voice, all that stuff. And so with, with the, and, and if you saw the videos, you would not know it's, it's, it, you would not know it's my AI version. Yeah. You know, you can't go do a 20 minute AI video, but you can put a phenomenal video together with, with little, little cuts yep. in the middle of it, explaining something that's all AI generated. Yep. And yet it looks a hundred percent like that's it's, it. it's like all it's, dynamic. I mean, even a lot of the uh, sales development reps, um, there's some new AI tech that is like literally calling your prospects acting as a person. It's not a person. So you have a whole team of people or you might have hundreds of people that are outbound setters that essentially go away with one monthly payment. So it's like a hundred percent and so, it's a better, it's a more sophisticated conversation because they've you've the told it exactly what to say. Yeah. And it gets better based on the more it learns from the customer base and the market changes. Oh yeah. The interest rates are up. So I can't say this anymore. Cause yep. it doesn't work. Like it, it'll be way better than your team could ever figure it out faster. Now what's cool for me is then asking myself the question. This is why I teach my coaching friends is what will never change. You know, to yep. Jeff Bezos's comments around like customers always want it cheaper faster, you know, and, you know, higher selection. So it's like anything that allows us to do that, we'll invest in that. And I call that neural transformation, right? Like there's as a coach or really a leader, there's certain things, as long as we have our, you know, our wet, 
operating system, our brains, you know, leading ourselves until Neuralink jumps in with a brain machine yep. interface, et cetera, which will, could happen, should happen. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I, everyone wants to know how Gary Brecca is blown. I had a Neuralink installed in Gary Brecca. That's the way to do it. Yeah. You it's not really access. Gary Brecca. Is it a beta? Is it an the, alpha? His genius <laughs> isn't really him. It's, it's, it's all the it's smart people around the, the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I just don't know how he remembers all the doctor terms he does. He's, he's an impressive he's, man. He's a, he's a photographic memory. He's that brilliant. Is, it, yeah. I think a lot of people, they don't realize some of these folks out there have that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, it's not me. Me neither. Um, but the neural transformation is, you know, around the belief sets. It's all the, it's all the mindset stuff, right? Like you, you work with so many entrepreneurs, like I'm sure you're staring at people going like, do you realize that you are the thing stopping you? I wrote a book called, okay, I wrote, I wrote exactly. a book specifically, book. yeah, nine figure mindset because yeah. people are like, Oh my God, how did you, it's like, look, to get to nine figure, it's really super simple to get to a nine figure mindset. You first got to get to a six figure mindset to get from a six figure to a seven figure. You got to change what you're doing and how you're doing it now to go from seven to eight. It gets more complicated, but it's the same theory. Yeah. Switch what you're doing, do it different up, 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 up level, up level yourself. Yeah. And then when you can multiply through other people, teaching them to do what you did to get to six to seven to eight, you're going to go to nine. And yeah. then if you get enough people that you can teach to do what you did to get to nine, you're going to go to 10. And, and, and then when you do that, you get an opportunity to go to 11, but you're not going to go from six to nine and skip. Those are the breakpoints. I yeah. mean, you got personal breakpoints, professional breakpoints and financial breakpoints. And if you don't acknowledge and accept that you have to literally be a different person to get to a seven, an eight, a nine, a 10 or 11, than you were to get to a six. If you don't just acknowledge that and accept it right now, and then ask yourself this honest question, what am I doing every day to develop myself and be in the right circles and learn new things and get different results so I can build my confidence in to moving technically to the next level. And, and what I love when I'm talking to a technology person is you get that from a technological standpoint. If, you're, if your technology platform is exactly the same today that it was five years ago, you're probably out of business or you're going out of business. It has to evolve. It has to develop. It has your to mind's expand. The same way. Yeah. Mine's exactly the same way. And yeah. so is your activities, your mm. actions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that like the big core of my book is the, the, obviously like, I look at it as there's four ways to get leverage, right? I call them the four master skills. It's either capital, right? It takes money to make money. It doesn't take money. It takes being resourceful to make money. But at a certain point, if your number one constraint is capital, everything else is there. The 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 playbooks are there. It's all, and it's just capital. Fix that. Second one is um, content, right? Content, huge leverage. SOPs, processes. Like mm -hmm. these are things you could spend a couple hours for. And if you have a thousand people that follow it, you'll get like huge. Con this this podcast. I mean, it's just there's all like most people don't consider these things, and they keep doing the same thing. So content's huge. The third one is code. It's automation. We've talked about that. Like and and in automation and removing yourself from processes and like human error in the steps to eventually like you know handheld devices and it's like a checklist and no you know you can have a whole army of people out in the field doing the thing delivering on the promise 100% consistent every time and you get the reporting back in the day i mean it's just that's the code side and AI I think is just the next level of this. But the fourth one is collaboration and it's the people, it's the, it's the team. It's the, it's, and, and, and to your point on the mindset, it's your self-worth around your time. Most people never learn how to buy back their time because they don't feel like they deserve it. They don't feel like they're worth it. And what I've learned a long time ago is that I will never get a penny more than I think I deserve. 
Yep. And my job is to figure out how can I increase my self-confidence, my belief in myself, surround myself. And that's one way to do it. Your environment, right. To increase your internal thermostat, your identity. And I just think like, if you're an ambition, ambitious person and you're worried about sacrificing everything you've built, your relationship with your family, you know, your, your partnerships or all that stuff, like be ambitious, but learn those four master skills. Cause like, there's nothing I want to accomplish. I can't, as long as I'm honest about how good am I out of 10 on all those four areas? Cause that's how I buy back my time. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, and, and we watch, you know, there's so many great examples. We were talking earlier about Gary Brecca and, and when I started working with Gary Brecca, uh, Grant introduced him to me because uh, I was 40 pounds heavier. And, and yeah, was, you look great, man. Thank you. Way. And I was yeah. struggling. And he's like, let me introduce you to my guy. So he introduces me to Brecca. At the time, Brecca was doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a month. He he, he, he was working in a little clinic. In was it really that small? Oh, he was tiny. He just had like four or five, six people, his just, wife and him yeah, and his kids. Yeah. It was all family yeah. for the most part. And so I started working with him. And, man, he was changing. And I really, like, he was just such a great guy to be around. He cares so much about people's health and he's so precision smart about how to do things. Um, and, and so I just listened to him and did what he said and I started dropping all this weight. Well, people were like, what the hell are you doing? And so I went to Gary, I'm like, dude, we should partner on this business because you're starting to show up two hours late, three hours late, four hours late, five hours late. Sometimes yeah. you would no show us because you're overwhelmed and, and, and you're so in the business, there's like, you got to learn. So he came to my 360 class and in the first day he was in the room for an hour out of 10 hours. And I'm I'm like, dude, what, what's going on here? He's like, Oh, I got all these people calling me and I can't, I'm like, all right, well, here's the deal. If you really want my help, by the time that six months of working with him, he had grown about 400,000 a month, 450 a month. Yeah. And Grant was putting them on some stages because yeah. we were working together and introducing them to some people. And Gary had moved to Miami and got out of his little town in Naples. And then, you know, obviously the, the pool of people to talk to was much bigger. Huge. And and he's like, dude, I'm just I'm, I'm getting crushed here. And I'm like, the, the only this only going to work if I buy you and uh, Grant and I'll buy you and I'll I'll take on the responsibility of engineering the business and, and, and we'll put you into the best version of yourself and get all the bullshit off your plate. And uh, and so we did. We acquired his business two years ago. He and Sage, they were partners. And uh, I think when we bought him, the month we bought him, he was doing like four or 500 grand a month. And and, and now we're doing 5 million a month. And, you know, he has blown up. He had a, he had a billion views on his social media last month. And we are just turning on and activating the lead gen from that wow. because I couldn't handle the, yeah. I cannot so even handle just the, the referral today yeah. because the complexity of the business, this is not like you're selling a, a no. vitamin no, off this of is, a lead. This is a medical it's, it's, thing. Yeah. It's medical. And you got medical laws, you got medical regulation, you got medical rules, you've got FDA, FTC, HIPAA. HIPAA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, you just can't treat you it. You guys like, have how many locations? I mean, well, we only have a couple of locations. We're opening two here. Okay. We've got one in Beverly Hills. Yeah, I know the LA. We're one. opening one or two in Vegas. We've got two or three scoped in Dallas. We've got uh, two or three in Atlanta going in. Um, and we've got uh, Miami, probably five or six. And we're collaborating with our some of our patients. So all of a sudden, uh, some of these people that you're going to hear from that have like a Dana White didn't wait for us, right? Yeah. Dana, Dana's like, I'm going to tell the world, which caused a problem for me in the scaling process because there was no systems. It was 100% still manual, and I was just starting the automation process and he just went a year ago, and he Boom. started going public and talking on podcasts. And 
we went to being entirely overwhelmed, which I'd rather be overwhelmed than underwhelmed. Yeah. And so it's been a, it's been a nice, um, it's, it, it's a nice way to represent because we're, we're tracking every single cause and effect, right? What's working, what doesn't work, what broke, what didn't yeah. break, how we fixed it. It's going to be a test a playbook case, for the next a one. playboy, yeah. a playbook for a lot of people because the story's so great. And I, I flew to Austin for a meeting last night, uh, met with Gary and the people we're meeting with. I mean, this 10X health story is going to be a billion dollar company here in mm. 36 months. And, and, and the lives that are being changed and the exposure Gary's getting and the promotion Gary's doing around it, his highest form, like Gary used to sit one-on-one with a person and spend all this time with them. His highest form is not him sitting one-on-one. It's, it's communicating to, to, a billion people on a stage. Yeah. And this is how we, we, where we've positioned him, and it's where he thrives. Although he's an expert at the one-on-one it's where he thrives. And but what Br- I've been Brandon, do- one thing I would, lo- I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but your genius that I see again from outside, we talked about before we started recording is your ability to understand collaboration, the equity, right? Even like your previous companies, yep. That is always the part. I grew up in software, so it's kind of built into the DNA, right? Yep. When you when you do a venture back company, this is the you know the cap table at different levels of, and you have your your ESOP, you have the employee stock option pool, and it's just like for your vesting when your cliffs like is all kind of given to me. I didn't have to think about it. It's yep. kind of like tried and true. That's not the only way to do it, but it seems like that's what if like again, I just assume like with Gary and Grant and all these other businesses you're involved in that you've gotten to a place where you're like, Hey, I'm really good at figuring out comp structure incentive process. You know what I mean? Cause like, that's, that's the thing. Even a Buffett does so well where he's like, I, I designed the game where if people play it, everybody wins. Yeah. And, and a lot of entrepreneurs are, it's mine. Well, they, they do, don't want to let they, go. They, they, they don't understand how to actually like create yeah, a bigger pie. I mean, how do you think about that? What's well, your, mental model around that. I think, I think the reality is, is that it's the path of least resistance. And the more people you have incentivized in the line, the more they're pulling the business versus you as the owners pushing the business. The problem is for the small business owner is the advice that they get around this whole subject is so pathetic. It's so horrible. They go to their bullshit attorneys that don't know what they're doing. They go to their bullshit accountants who give them free advice or worse charge them for <laughs> shitty advice. Yes. Most partnership. The reason most businesses break up the biggest break point from one to five is partnerships. Ill, 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 ill prepared, uh, poor operating agreements, no exit structure in the operating agreements, no operational requirements in the operating agreements, no performance requirements in the operational agreements. So all of a sudden the business does well. One partner starts playing golf yeah. and the other one's busting his ass or her ass. Yeah. And, and so it's just so poorly constructed. And, and so the, the idea, and then they're all told don't give equity because it's so most horrible. No, I guarantee you, I've never seen in a business under say 50 to 75 million. I see one of two things. I see such poorly constructed efforts to, to try to, to try to align using equity and incentives, or I see, these overly complex, like I tell business owners, so if you're under a hundred million, don't yeah. even use the word ESOP. Yeah. And if you're over a hundred million, still don't use the word ESOP. There are better structures because as soon as you give 1% to somebody, they think they can dictate to you, Oh, you bought a new truck boss or 
you're spending money yeah, on an airplane or yeah. you're yeah that i'm gonna sue you now so they start to think these little lps start to think they have some kind of operational control or they have some opinion or they have some say and 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 it shifts the business from hey we're building to a high performance to what's in it for me and why am i not so use profit interest correctly yeah and 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 most people go. I don't even know how to structure it and whatever. So they go. They try to do things, and they're sold a bunch and of products. They're talking to the wrong person. Always talking yeah. to the wrong person. So, so this is the thesis behind Grant Sell or Be Sold. You, you know, if you're not selling an idea or a concept, somebody else is selling you. And so, unfortunately, you got to unwind all that shit too. And when you unwind it, it causes other issues. And and so, you know, it's like making sure this is this is what I tell business owners. There's three questions I always ask somebody if I'm going to get any advice from them. And, and, and here's my three questions. The first question I ask somebody when they start to tell me what I should do is say, hey, before you tell me that, I just have a question. For, I have three questions just to qualify so I can understand how deep I need to get into what you're going to tell me. Because if you're going to give me advice, I really want to understand it. Yeah. Fair enough. First question, what's the most amount of money you've personally ever made in a year? It's important for me to know because if you haven't made more than me, yeah, it's a check mark for me. Yeah, it's not not a hard stop, but at least yeah. it's like I can I can. But give the it some second context. question becomes a hard stop, which is, what's the biggest thing you've ever built, quantified by number of employees, revenue, and profitability? Like you need to tell me that if I'm going to listen to you. And then the third, it's not a hard stop, but it compounds it. Is what's the biggest exit you've ever had? Now. People are like, do you really ask those questions? Absolutely. If I'm going to talk to a mentor. Now, if I go sit down with John Maxwell, I'm going to use a different series of questions because what I'm looking for leadership yes. enhancement. I'm not looking for someone to teach me how to build my business. Yeah. Right. And and so, so the reason this is important is to know which people you're going to ask questions of before you even let it in your brain is because... I have watched so many entrepreneurs build a hundred million dollar business, busting their ass, risking everything, and then selling it for 20. And I've watched entrepreneurs build a $25 million business, doing it pretty laid back, not much risk and sell it for 150 million. Yep. So which guy do I want to learn from? Because I don't want to do it the hard way. I've also watched people. And the people that have won, sometimes they can't even tell you how they did it. Exactly. And, yeah. and so, so if you ask those questions like, well, to be honest, I don't really know. Um, you know, I just got lucky. Well, okay. Well now I, I can't, I'm not getting lucky. Yeah. Like that's not going to be something that happens to me. So learning to qualify who you're listening to, what you're asking them, what you're letting in your mind, because most people collect their data through polling P O L L I N G. What should I do? What do you think? And they're asking all the wrong people have never done it versus polling P U L L I N G. Like, who can pull me up to the next level? Mm. Who actually has experience? Who has knowledge? Who has information? Who's willing to help me? If I'm going to try to build my business through polling, P-O-L-L-I-N-G, I'm going to fail horribly because you're I'm trying asking, to synthesize this information with no context. And nobody knows. Yeah. And I don't know. And people bullshit. And yeah. you see that. That's one thing. When I got on social media, I was never on social media. When I got on social media, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, dude. you saw it. And you saw so it. I'm going to tell you a yeah. little secret and you'll appreciate this. And people are going to start hearing this. And so I'm, I'm starting to leak it out so they can get ready. Next summer, I'm going to challenge every scaling expert that's in the marketplace. I'm going to use the uh, UFC center, Apex. I'm going to have the ring up. I'm going to invite anybody 
that wants to claim they're a scaling expert to come into the ring with me and to post 60 months worth of their numbers against mine. And if they beat me, I'll give them a million bucks because I'm going to quit the bullshit. Yeah. I get too many people coming to me that are business owners. Yeah. They're asking you for advice and they're saying this other guy told me this and you're like, I'm not, I'm not even talking to you. This is, and and it's, it's all superficial bullshit. People are spending money with all these internet junkies. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not that I want to prove those guys wrong. It's, it's actually damaging for the business owner totally. because it's, it's the nuance. You know this. You could just change one little code in a system and get a, a much better output mm-hmm. than, if you're look, than if you have a bad data piece. It's going to send you in a different direction. So it's the incremental improvement or the granular technical thing. It's not the macro idea. Yeah. And so people are stealing other people's ideas and then pawning them off like they actually did something. So I'm going to issue this scaling challenge. I love it. And, and I'm going to turn it into a competitive. And there are some people that will show up yeah. that might beat me. Yeah. But I'm, I've, it's I okay know to get those people. And this is what's interesting is, is those people, I don't even think they're on the internet. These, well, these, a well, lot of them are the, yeah, the private I, equity I folks. Agree. Yeah. Well, well, those guys are different. I'm talking about the social Okay, you're guys. talking the internet guys. Yeah. Cool. But but look, I'm friends with some of these guys. Or, you know, Like Hermosi, he's going to be a formidable competitor. And, 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 and the Hermosis, both yeah, of them. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Um, they're doing it a little differently. I have mad respect for them. Yeah. Layla wrote the blurb on the back of my book. Yeah. I, I so, work, so I love those guys. Yeah. And they're so, they're legit. practitioners. They're actually in the trenches. They're doing it. They're, they're teaching exactly what they did that day to help a portfolio. Exactly. Their and I companies. hope, yeah. I hope. I believe that them and a couple other are going to be the best challengers. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it, and it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, it's all the other people. Yeah. And, and so in my mind, it's like, look, I launched this business 60 months ago. Here's what I've done in exactly 60 months. Anybody who's beaten these numbers, fucking I'll write a check for a million dollars. Yeah. And, and you got to bring your P and L's, no, no bullshit. No, stuff. No, it it's not your yeah. clients revenues no, that no, you're no. sitting on. It's yeah. your generated yeah. revenue. Yeah. And I'm going to issue that challenge in at the end of this year. Um, and, and I'm going to start promoting the hell out of it. Mm. Do you think that's a good idea? I, I think, you know, what a lot of these guys have, which I've always admired about, you know, even like the Ty Lopez, the Grant Cardone's, you know, um, Hey, by the way, he's excluded. He's my partner. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. That, Ty, uh, happy yeah. to bring Ty on. Yeah. And, and I don't think Ty would claim he's good at that stuff. Yeah. You know, Ty, Ty's a thinker. Um, but it's just, there's a lot of these people that are great at marketing but they're not the operator, yeah. right? And I would say, you know, and I love Layla, like obviously Alex is a better copywriter, position, packaging person, and Layla's just honestly one of the best operators I've ever met. And, and, he, and they'll tell you that. Like, no, no, there's no secret. They He's say like, I don't want to have any conversations. No, no, no. no. It it's like me. there's no Alex at that scale without yeah. a Layla and vice versa. And I think that, and, and for us, that's we've had to find those people. Well, I, I'm, yeah. it's, a top, yeah. it's secret. I got my own Layla. Yeah, we all Natalie, you can't Natalie, do what we Natalie do without that it. For me. Yeah, you yeah. can't do it at our scale. So I think the fact that you're saying, "Hey, I'm going to use the this concept to get the word out to put, you know, essentially like just finally like whoever wrote the book or says they're the best at this, it's like let's talk about it because like I'm, you know, that's why I like your work is that you you can tell by talking to you that you understand this at a depth that most people will never have the privilege of going through the cycles and iterations to try to understand it. Like I have, like I've, I just spent more time studying this stuff because I don't know why my brain just likes it. 
right? Whereas yep. other people spend more time thinking about how they can get a bigger audience or whatever. Put both of those together. That's why I loved your partnership with Grant. It's a weapon. You know, Grant was, uh, when we went out and looked across the spectrum, uh, Grant had raised more money in crowdfunding than anybody on the planet. And he's our, and, and he's five X that. that. He's I know. Five X and he was early to that game. As soon as That's the laws right. changed, like game on, let's do it. He, his sales and marketing and then running his events. And I came to those events and, and I saw what he was doing. I met the, the audience. highest level, the 10. And I'm like, this guy has been so committed to the message and consistent, consistent, for built a huge audience. Yeah. And wasn't even offering him 90% of what we could offer him. And when I approached him and showed it, he's, he's like, dude, I've always wanted to do this. If you don't let me down, because he said most people let him down. If you, you don't let me down, you do what you say you're going to do. I will go all in with you. And, and we've built this business. Um, all the enterprise under Cardone is five times bigger than it was when I came into the relationship with him. Not because I did that for him with real estate or anything. It's just he can go put his attention on it. Yeah. And then this business is two and a half times bigger than his core business was when we partnered in four years. And now his core business is bigger than this business. So collectively, we've grown. We're about $600 million this year. And, and we're spawning off a bunch of new businesses. So we spawned off health, spawning off 10X insurance. That, that's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. We've got 10X HVAC. We've got 10X home services. We've got 10X pools and spas, 10X farms, 10X cyber. We've got 10 different formats rolling out that will all look like health over the next 18 months. Yeah. And and so my my deal is, uh, challenge number one is, took me 60 months to get to a couple hundred million dollars in revenue. The next 60 months will hit a billion, but we're gonna create a $50 billion portfolio. Mm -hmm. And then he's gonna create a 50 billion in the real estate. And we're gonna go to marketplace as a hundred billion dollar yeah. company yeah. and uh, under assets and management. So I'm unbelievably excited about it. Here's what I know about you and I. Great, I'm glad Jeremy said that you and I should get together. Mm. Um, awesome meeting you. Congratulations on your book, Buy Back Your Time. Look, man. That's true. Buy back your time. Um, and I know now, based on this podcast, you and I are going to do something together. And and I, th I have some ideas of some things we're working on already. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it because people will listen to this podcast. They'll go, oh, these two's never met. Here we are. I mean, we met, but we didn't now know the day. Yeah. And, and, and then it won't take us but six months to a year to have something to the marketplace that Meaningful. people will be really super excited about. And I'm yeah. looking forward to making money with you, changing people's lives with you, yeah. building with you. And, and I love your story, dude. And, awesome. and there's more to your story that we didn't even get to. So we're going to have a part two here, say it's six months from now. I love it. And we'll disclose to people what we're doing together. And we'll talk more about how we're building and we're, how we got here. I love it. It's an honor. Thank you for joining me on the B. Dawson show that's now building billions. It used to be called the B. Dawson show. I like the new title. Yeah. It's accurate. It's, it's, and my wife has building billions with Natalie, building billions with Brandon, and then we're launching build, building billions together. And it really, it's to document every single thing that we're doing along the way. It's awesome. For the, for the next book I'm putting out. There's two books. I've got my next one coming out. It's going to be kind of the operating system, how, how yeah. we did everything. But the, the third book is uh, the, the instead of nine figure mindset, it's the, so I love it. I'm setting the stage for it. Everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of uh, Building Billions with Brandon, uh, either listening or watching. Remember what inspires me to do this work and bring on phenomenal guests like Dan is 
you liking, sharing, and uh, and participating. So if you have comments, please leave them in the message line. So thank you for listening or watching to another episode of Building Billions with Brandon.